Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the club that gave us back our pride, gave us some fight and determination, but just couldn't quite give us the Scottish Cup this year. I am Laurie Dunsire and I'm joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Mark, how are you feeling? I'm still hurting, like every Hearts fan, Laurie. I'm proud, very, very proud um, of my players without resorting into Sir Alex Ferguson, only an excuse-type meme. <laughs> I just, it, it was, I, I don't know why. I, I got a feeling when we went, it wasn't even after we went 3-2 up in the penalty shoot. I just, I had a feeling we would do that. When we came back, they were on the ropes. And then I got away, it's the hope that kills you. You know yeah. what, we could easily yeah. be sitting here having been beaten five or six, because that first half was awful to watch. But we're not. It's the hope. They, 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 let, they let us in a little bit. They said, there's the cup. Here's the maroon ribbons. Yeah. But they forgot to tell us there was a banana skin right in front, and, and we were so close, but so far away. But so proud of them, because this could easily be a post-mortem. Well, Laurie, what do you make of that? A 6-0 defeat in a cup final. But it wasn't. And, and, and there's... I want this to be as positive as a podcast as it can without glossing over the negative aspects of yeah. Sunday. Yeah, and I mean, there's. I know some people get frustrated with the glorious failure um, type approach. Uh, I've seen some, some comments along those lines, but it's hard not to, you know, you don't want to be, it's hard to be completely negative when your site is put in such a good performance for, certainly from from at least the, the halfway mark in normal time and come so close against a side who, regardless of some recent slip-ups, are in recent years by far the best side in Scotland. And although they look like they're not going to hold that, um, that accolade this year, you know, they've got a lot of top players, a huge budget compared to Hearts, and they were overwhelming favourites, as you would expect. So I think you have to put a lot of things into context. But we will talk about a lot of areas of the game and... I know what you're saying. It sometimes, and we'll speak about some of the feedback. Some of the feedback we got is that, God, it would it would always been better if we'd just been pumped if it kept going like the first half. And I, <laughs> and I understand that feeling. And I said it, it was sort of similar last year when we we ran them really close, and it wasn't quite as hard to take because I had I really had no hope in 2019. I was very surprised that we ran them close last year. I have to say I was expecting a a good doing over by Celtic um, last time out. And obviously in the end, we were probably the better side and Celtic had two clear chances, one of them a penalty, and they scored them both and they won. That game I felt pride. And I didn't have to say the hurt was there, but it didn't last that long. I understand that. Whereas, I, I, I get that. This time I thought they were there for the taking. And, and at half time, you know, it was a case of Christ, this game looks dead and buried, but... To be so close and to have them on the ropes, whereas the last one, as soon as Celtic levelled, albeit it was against the run of play, you kind of uh, you, you felt like it was a, you, you felt like right, can we hold out and take this to penalty kicks? Whereas <laughs> on Sunday, you really felt like even when we just got one goal, I have to say my you know in that very moment, it wasn't just a case of I've got a glimmer of hope. It was let's do this. Well, you know, I wasn't suddenly thinking, let's scrape a second goal and we can maybe drag this to extra time. As soon as we got that one goal, because of the way Celtic have been recently, I thought, 
this is there for us to win now. Oh, it was. It was. Bomb scaring goal, old defender, Captain Chaos alongside him, former Kelly left back, centre back that couldn't defend, playing it right back. They were there for the taking. And, and it totally depends the way you want to look at this because that was one that got away. Regardless of how they're a better side, if they'd all played to their capabilities and we'd all played to our capabilities, they would have won. But they didn't. And we had them on the ropes. Here's the difference. They were able to bring on a guy who played at the World Cup, Tom Rogic, and a guy who's played for Scotland and scored twice against England in that very stadium, Lee Griffiths. Regardless of the issues that Lee's been through and where he is right now as, as far as is he top form or is he nowhere near that, doesn't matter. They were able to bring on those types of players. We brought on Josh Ginelli, and it changed the game, and we did well. However, we weren't able to bring on the calibre of World Cup players or Scotland internationals. We brought on players who, albeit changed the game, and were better than what we, we had um, who performed that day because Jimmy Walker, for whatever reason, just, just didn't show up. I don't know what the problem was. It wasn't too dissimilar position for him. And we'll talk a lot about the formation coming up. But let's put this into context. And, and this, is, this is why I think is important. We look at our chances that we missed. And Josh Ginelli had a couple. He had the one that was, that was one-on-one. Yes, it's, it's a chance that, that's gone a-begging. However, we don't have an Odson Edward or a Lee Griffiths or someone like that who, if one-on-one, is more likely to score than someone you just hope, like, like Josh Ginelli was. Um, we are what we are. We have good players, but we don't have great players. We are where we are. We deserve to be in the championship as far as what happened last season is concerned on the pitch. Um, we don't deserve to be in the championship the way that it happened because it was, it was curtailed. And I'm not going to go over old ground again. But the, the bottom line is we, we got that far, but we were unable to get over the line. Um, when, I, when I talk about selective commenting, everyone does that as a supporter of their club. Oh, if only we'd scored that chance with Josh Ginelli or that other chance. You've got to be able to look at the other side. And this is where it can be advantageous for me as a commentator to know that there are two sides to the story. Because when I was a fan, I say was, when I was a fan purely and simply, that's all I was as a fan. I wasn't a media member, I wasn't a commentator or whatever. There's only one team playing. You only have your maroon glasses on. You only have your maroon scarf on. They can look at that and go, wait a minute here. Odson Edward had a chance. They had other chances as well. Craig Gordon, if it wasn't for him... We could have been 3-1 down. So it's important to know that they had opportunities as well. Not be selective in, in what you actually look back on. It just fucking hurts. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think on the balance of the game one side was particularly better than the other. I think, well, the first half Celtic were oh, on the side. Oh, yeah, and they were cruising. Uh, they were, but they had chances even after that. I think overall it was actually a, a, a decent cup final in the end. I thought the first half was... I think even as a neutral, you'd have felt this is almost too easy for Celtic. I thought we'd let them, and they were they were better than they have been recently. But I felt at times they were almost just cruising at second or third gear and still in control. It wasn't like we were making them play phenomenal football. But I thought overall both sides had decent chances. Both sides had spells in the game. I just thought mentally, which you don't often get against Celtic or against the Rangers historically. I thought it 2-1 and then it 2-2. I thought we looked like 
the team with maybe more belief and more fight, even if they yes. did still have better quality, if that makes sense? Yes. How, however, it's not until now where the dust has settled and you can look back. I'm going to give you an analogy here, and if you're not an NFL fan, then this probably won't mean much. I'm not. In, well, well that, that's fine. So, <laughs> so let me explain it to you. The analogy would be, shit, we've scored too early. Now, there's, if you have a choice of when you're going to equalize, right, <laughs> you don't. But if you did, to get back into the game, we played carefree. There was nothing to lose. When you've got nothing to lose, you're... You, you're, you lose your inhibitions. You just like, oh, fuck it. Just go for it. Just let's see what happens. You don't, there, there's no consequences. It's not like, well, if we push too many bodies forward, we might leave gaps at the back. They might score a third. So when we scored the second goal, we were, we were on top at the time. They dominated the first half. We dominated the majority of the second half. But when we scored, ultimately, it proved too early because we were hanging on a little bit um, at times, but then we had the chances before we get to extra time. The NFL analogy is you've got the two-minute warning and you can score a touchdown to, to go ahead in a game or a field goal that gets you ahead, but you still leave enough time on the clock for their star quarterback to be able to engineer a drive that gets them enough points, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, to win the game because that's what they do. Because they've been there, they've done it, and that's what they're good at. They call it a two-minute drill in American football. I just think, looking back, and it sounds a daft thing to say, but when we scored, we then went back into the, right, we're back on level terms. The mentality was different yeah, after yeah. we got to two-all. Had we been 3-0 down, and then we got 3-1, and then we got 3-2, we're still in the 2-1 mode. We're still in the mode of, keep going. This is the, but then it's then the doubt gets into your mind. What do we do? Because you don't practice for this. Do we keep pushing? Then your inhibitions come back. Yeah. Then your worries and, and your consequence comes back. Oh, shit, it's 2-2. We need to kind of shut up shop a little bit. So it was the same when Lee Griffiths had scored in, in extra time. For the six minutes before we equalized, that was 2-1 scenario of the first half. And then... After 111 minutes, there's a lot of tired players. I, I wasn't looking forward to doing this podcast after we lost, but it's kind of cathartic in a way, in that that pride is never going to go away and is never going to go away. Because we were 2-0 down in a cup final and we were being absolutely rammed. It, it, it was a boxing match, and I know we spoke about the, the heavyweight boxer being Celtic and on their last legs, and I thought they were, because they were so beatable. But at 2-0. It's funny, if everyone looks back at their phone and the messages they sent to their friends and their family at halftime, <laughs> people are like, what is Robbie doing? What is A.D. White all about? Can we bring Jamie Walker on for the second half? Because he hadn't really shown up. Everything was negative, 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 as it should have been. We're all in the same boat. I'm not trying to re-watch the game and say, well, pretend I didn't send that text. I'm always wary about tweets that I send because they can come back to bite you on the bum pretty quickly. But I could send messages and I sent a few at halftime going, this is, this is embarrassing. Because we that, could get that absolutely... one to Robbie, was it? <laughs> <laughs> but there's the thing, you've, you've tweeted something or you've sent something and then suddenly there's a turnaround. You look like a right arse. 
That's why the game lasts 90 or 120 minutes. And as, as much as, as much as it stung at the time, as much as it still stings and as much as it hurts, and it'll continue to do for as long as, as you're alive and you look back on Hearts in the Scottish Cup, there has to be an element of that could have been so much worse and we came so close. Would it have been a deserved win? That's subjective. I don't, I don't think so. Um, but I don't think we deserve to. I think, I think we deserve to take it to penalties. And there were spells towards the end of the game and towards the end of, of extra time. I kind of thought, just give me penalties. Just give me penalties. And then you take your chance. We did. And then you look back and you're like, you're 3-2 up. Your goalie's had a save. They've got a score. Are you 4-2 down? Yeah, well, we'll look. We'll get to that. I mean, like, like we'll talk about the we'll talk about the lineups um, and and the game, and we'll get some reaction that we've had from a few of you on Twitter. We'll go through that, and um, yeah, I guess let's relive um, the Scottish Cup final 2020. Here's some of the the highlights, the lowlights, um, the action from the game on the right hand side. Tries to clip it into the hearts box. It breaks to Christie, Bendy, edge Bendy, of the area. Bendy. Left foot shot. It's a decent one. It's a wonderful goal by Ryan Christie. See it coming. And Celtic are in front. I think it's always a penalty these days. And Edward will get the chance from 12 yards. Edward steps up and he chips it into the net. Very cheeky from the French striker. And Celtic double their lead. Looks for Halliday. Still has it in the area. Halliday dinks it into the up, box. Boys finish this. Get to it. Hearts are back in it. Liam Boyce. Gives Hearts hope right to the start of the second half. Ginelli whips it in with pace. Decent ball. Has it. missed again. Get Headed it. towards goal. It claims over the line. It's a goal. It's a goal. It's 2-2. Goal. Goal. The goal has been given. And we're all level at Hamden Park. Whipped in by Ryan Christie. Decent ball. Attacking its brown. Blocked by Gordon. And it's knocked over the line. And it's Lee Griffiths who gives Celtic the lead again. Curled in by the Englishman. Out comes Hazard. Misses it. Knocked towards goal. It's across the box. Yes! He scores! Hearts are level. They've pulled themselves off the canvas again. And it's the substitute, Josh Ginelli, who forces it in. Christie on his left foot. Great save, Greg Gordon! The first player to blink is Ryan Christie. Gordon saves against his former club. And it's advantage, Hearts. Kingsley. Pressure kick here. Steps up. Oh, it's a poor penalty and it's saved by Hazard. Whiten steps up. Oh, it's been saved by Hazard. 22-year-old with one goal this season. The Norwegian international against the Scottish international, Craig Gordon. Can he win it for the men in green and white? Ayer with a long run-up. Steps up and he rifles it down the middle. And Celtic have won the Scottish Cup on penalty kicks. It's Ayer who is the hero but Lee Griffiths runs over to corner Hazard, the young goalkeeper. Celtic will be crowned Scottish Cup winners. Okay, so that was Hearts 3, Celtic 3, and then Celtic Oof. 4, Hearts 3 on penalty kicks. Uh, before we get to the, I guess, the the key moments and how things ended up, let's have a look at the team first of all, because it was quite interesting. Mm. So Hearts, um, maybe not so, I mean, in changes, Ollie Lee went out and, and Andy Halliday came in, not a huge maybe surprise that there wasn't too many changes. A lot of people didn't expect maybe A.D. White to get a start, but he, he obviously was quite effective at times against Queen of the South and kept a place. I guess the the interesting thing here was I looked at it and I thought, 
Okay, yeah, we've gone four two three one four three three, however, you, however you want to call it. Um, I even checked with I sent the media guys, the Hearts media guys, who were at the other side of the stadium, who were obviously in a, in and around everything that was going on, and I said, so is it is it a four? Is that what we're playing? I went, yeah, four. Call it the four three three, and that was how it was looked at. To be fair, someone had messaged me before the game saying I've heard we're going to play a three, and. I didn't see it when I saw the lineup, um, as in when I saw the team lineup on the team sheets. But obviously, very early on, it was evident that it was indeed a three. And I know Robbie's spoken about it after the game a little bit, and it kind of was it was what you'd highlighted last time, I think, didn't you? I know Ryan spoke about three as well, but you'd mentioned the potential reasoning for a three. Not because just... the games that they had lost or not performed in recently... Yeah. All the teams that beat them, with the exception of Milan, went three at the back or five at the back, depending on what you do with your wingbacks. And yeah. we questioned last week whether or not it might be something that Robbie would consider, bearing in mind you could change it flexibly depending on your personnel. Yeah. So, I mean, the interesting thing with that um, is the fact that Celtic did not go with a three, which is what we thought Celtic would go with. And I did get their formation as about four at the start, because I looked at their team and I was like, mm, there is no right wing back there. It's like, I don't watch Celtic often. I've seen him a few times. I just, I can't see anyone they could play at right wing back. And I messaged a few folk, and um, I think it was actually Joel who said what he'd confirmed as a team, and that was about four. A four-three-three, effectively, or four-two-three-one. Pretty much what hearts we'd normally play that system where you could call it 4-2-3-1, you could call it 4-3-3. Um, and I didn't expect that. I expected them to go with a three. So it was a very interesting switcheroo, wasn't it? Where we it we adjusted to a team that, for reasons that Robbie highlighted and reasons that you highlighted, to be fair, last week, that teams had been successful with against Celtic. And Celtic, who in recent weeks have normally played a three. Ironically, the only game recently of the last five or six I could see when they hadn't played a three was that game against AC Milan where they played a four. Um, but they went to a four, so suddenly you had this complete change around in, in tactics. And we're going to talk about. So, I mean, the, the lineup: Gordon and goals, Halkett, Berra, Kingsley, um, Smith, right wing back, White, left wing back, Walker, uh, Walker, Halliday, Irving, Naismith. Sort of. It was kind of a three-five-one-one. One, I think is what we were trying to do. Um, it didn't really look like that for a lot of this first half because we were pegged back so much. Um, now, at the in the first half, and you know, you mentioned being open about messages. We messaged each other. I messaged some people. Robbie got it wrong. What's he doing? This is terrible. It's it's all over the place. And it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't like we were trying to dissect the the positions or the tactics. It was just that. Celtic were all over us. They were dominating. We couldn't really get out of our half and get much ball. Um, was it to do with the change in tactics? Was it more to do with the mentality? It was hard to put your finger on it, and it was even harder to put your finger on it because we came out for the second half with the exact same formation anyway, but a whole different team. Yeah, and the player that probably same most personnel. Of us taken, <laughs> well, the player that most of us would have taken off at halftime had a brilliant bit of skill. Yeah. that got us back into the game because he was able to find Andy Halliday, who was then able to cross um, for us to get the first goal back. So, 
this this formation in, in the first half that, that we went with, let's let's dissect this because for the first five minutes of the game, we started the game all right. Yeah, it was that's then a good that, point, yeah. that yeah, then we went into our shell. Then we sat off them a little bit more. Then we got a little bit deeper. If it was a mental thing, we showed them too much respect. But I this isn't a we were awful from the kickoff. We started that game all right with that formation. And it quickly became apparent it, it was that formation. But then once you stand off them, once you drop back, regardless, and we, spoke, we speak a lot on this podcast about momentum, if you've got it, it's such a powerful thing. Regardless of, of the momentum that they have, if you are a team struggling for confidence, but you get the ball in a good area with good players around you, that's, that's going to help. So we sat off them a little bit. Um, was it something that w- was a mental switch up? I, I don't know. I don't know. But in, in that first half, um, it probably could have been more. Um, it's funny, I, though, because, I, mean, I mean, if we're looking back at the moment, I mean, um, by, you know, like you say, the first few minutes, we, we started brightly, but it very quickly went into a Celtic controlling things. Um, but then <laughs> the first real clear chance was ours, and it was from nothing. Yeah. And if anything, I felt that should, uh, you know, we spoke about Connor Hazard briefly last week, and it was more the fact that he's untested at this level. A couple of games for Celtic, he's he's not consistently played at this level of football. Um, and then at f- moment 14 minutes in, Smith played an okay ball through, but it, it should have been one that the defenders were going to get there and usher Naismith away from goal. It was under control, really. And then suddenly, it was the corner of the eye, you see Hazard coming sprinting off his line for absolutely no reason and suddenly Naismith almost scores from absolutely nothing and you almost feel like that could be the the moment that like gives you more belief again because you're like well, what is their keeper doing he's mm-hmm. two games and he already and to be honest I mean I know he ended up being the hero but I thought we'd let him be the hero with those penalties I th- we he, did. he was awful I, I, he might turn out to be a great keeper but he was horrendous on Sunday I thought but that, that's on us that, that's on us uh, we didn't trouble them enough. Did we show them too much respect in the first half? I, I, I don't know. But the way I look at that, that that's the equivalent of an outfielder in goal. Um, not ability-wise, but it's a case of if you know there's an outfielder in goal, you make sure you test them as early and as quickly and as often as possible. Yeah. Take shots from dif- distance. Have a go. Make sure if he does spill it, the second balls are there. He is what he is. It's not his fault. And good on him for ending up being the hero. He could easily have been the villain had that ended up in the back of the net after 14 minutes. But I think with games like this, you, you look specifically at goals you concede. That first goal, sometimes you, you, you look at a goal and you're like, oh, we could have done so much better to stop that. That's a piece of genius from Ryan Christie. I think Halliday gets involved uh, inadvertently trying to deflect a ball. Um, A.D. White was in there as well. There was no one that could have closed him down before he got that shot off. It's just a stunning goal, and nothing Craig can do about it. So you're like, oh, yeah, that's a kick in the teeth. But, okay, let's reset. It, it, it was it was a cracking goal. It was A.D. White who kind of glanced the header inside, and it unfortunately fell to Christie. I, I thought maybe someone could have been in that area a, a bit quicker, but it, it was an absolutely fantastic strike. The way he opens up his left foot, you know, 22 yards out, as soon as he hit it, you knew exactly where it was going. Um, the the second one is well before you get before you get to the second one. Yeah. My my big issue here is I, I I was I was watching that on TV. 
thinking the first 10 minutes, yeah, I'm all right with that. But I was taking it in 10-minute chunks. We nearly got to the second 10 minutes, nil-nil, and then we conceded. I'm like, shit, okay, right, let's, let's regroup. This next 10 minutes are crucial. We were awful between minutes 20, conceding the goal mm-hmm. and conceding the second goal. Um, it was like the tactics had been set up to contain I think Robbie. I think Robbie no did suggest change. that, though, didn't he? Sorry to cut you off. I think he did suggest it. Yeah, they'd set up to. Fine. Yeah. Wait, wait, of course, we spoke about this last week, and when you when you delve into to and and you look so closely the minutiae of, of potentially the tactics of a game, and and you see how they are, um, they get confidence from the first goal, and that was us on the ropes. I'll, I'll keep going back to the boxing analogies. From minutes 20 through to minute 29 when we conceded the second goal, we were on the ropes and we offered absolutely nothing. That is when I really feared that this could be 3, 4 or 5. Yeah, you just wanted the you just wanted the bell for the round to end, didn't you, basically, for half time to get back in there? Because obviously a third is going to be your knockout, isn't it? If we yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, a good, it's a good road to go down with the boxing analogies. Because I said it in commentary, I said... At this point, when you know when it was thirty-five, forty minutes, I was like, we just need to get in at half time, in with a chance, which is what you have at two 0 a small chance against Celtic maybe, but a third goal, yeah, would have would have really killed the game. I think, even though we, you know we talk about, he scored one and two, and you could have scored three. I think three 0 mentally, you're, it's very hard to come back, especially if you're the underdogs anyway. Um, but no, I totally agree with that. And the second goal, it did feel like it was coming. And it's, it, I mean, it's it's silly. It's annoying one because it's 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 obviously not deliberate, but it's a clear penalty. I mean, you can't flail your hand above your head um, like that in modern football. It's always a penalty. There's no question about it. I don't think on my part. No, it's um, the, especially especially this season with the laws of the game with regards to VAR. I mean, I know we didn't have VAR, but. A hand above the head is not a natural silhouette. No. If that strikes, unless you're pushed, which he wasn't, he just, I don't know what he's thinking, Christoph Berra, it, it, it's a penalty. And yeah. then he did that. So I've listened to a lot of people talk about this penalty. I'll give you my opinion after I hear yours. What did you make of Watson Edwards' penalty? I said it in commentary, and we and actually Jimmy and I disagreed. He scores a penalty, he can do what he wants. It's his penalty. I'm with you. I'm I with mean, you, I, you know... <laughs> You, you go for a Penenka um, and you fluff it, you're going to get absolutely torn to shreds. Oh. And deservedly so. And that's what yep. that's the risk you take. And do you know what? See, when it's my team, unless it's a moment that you can take the piss, as in, you know, you're cruising 4-0, why not? Or it's a meaningless game. You, I'm probably not going to be too happy with my player trying it. But... but, it, but if you, scores, can do, you, don't care. you can do what you want with a penalty. I, I, I understand Gordon's frustration he's conceded a goal and he's he's taken the piss out of you effectively but <laughs> he's taken it's, it's a legal way to take a penalty so why yeah, would yeah, i've got no issue with it. i mean I, i'm more i'd be if you do something like that it's it's like it's like when players who is it who recently walked the ball into the net um was it in german football yeah it's like a it's the football equivalent of a gentleman's agreement, isn't it? It's kind of, it's an unwritten rule. But I'm with you. If you want to do that in a cup final, and you know, I don't know, he could easily have been studying Craig Gordon. I mean, Craig's admitted himself on this show that he'd, he wished he'd done better saving penalties over the years. Um, if I'm a penalty taker on the opposition, just like goalkeepers do their homework on the takers, 
if I'm a penalty taker, I'm doing my homework. And if I see in the last 10, 20, however many penalties you watch, Craig Gordon dives, I, I don't like it. I, I hate it being on the other end of it, and I wouldn't want my team to do it. I'm going to take you back to April 2016. Jason Cummings, Hibernian, made a right arse. Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess Dundee United, didn't he? A right arse of it. I also want to take you back to when Dunfermline reached one of their cup finals. And it was near the end. I don't know if it was the semi-final or the semi-final replay. Jim McIntyre tried a Penenka and scored. I've got nothing, nothing against that. Because if my player scores it for my team in a cup final and it wins us the game, hallelujah. So don't be a hypocrite and say, I, I get it. If I'm a goalkeeper, that's different. If I'm a goalkeeper, and that's why Craig got... I think was that why he got booked for he because he chucked yeah, the ball. He threw the ball at Edward, yeah. Understand, understandably so. It's a former teammate, right? I think he maybe sees it as a lack of a lack of respect, and he would defend his weight. But there's nothing in the laws to say that. And listen to many people that have said that. I, I didn't like it, but if you've got the balls to stand up and do that, knowing fine well the consequences of you not scoring, if if Celtic went on to lose the quadruple treble or whatever the hell it's called based on Hearts coming back from one goal down after a missed Panenka, he's got to, he's got to live with himself. But he didn't. They won it. He scored. Uh, uh, yeah, it, 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 he scored. You, you want to take a penalty that way? You want to take the risk? It, it does. I know we'll get onto the penalty kicks. You, you probably remember I brought this up before when I. I still have that, and I've I am not a goalkeeper. I'm not. A, I've never been a professional footballer of any kind. I still I still maintain. I think keepers would have better odds if they just stood still. Just in general, on penalty kicks, <laughs> I think I think it might change the way that people take penalties. But, yeah, I mean Bruno Fernandez never goes never really goes down the middle, does he? But I said at the level that we play at. Yeah, I said the level that we that we play at. Not me personally, but the level that you play in Scottish football, you tell someone to yeah, you pick it, you try and pick out the corner, you try and bag that in the side net. I'll wait here and I'll move if I can to where you're putting it. I, I, it's just one of these things because I see so many penalties are either down the middle or they aren't into the side net. They are close to the keeper that you could maybe move for because you've seen. I remember Craig Gordon save he made at Sunderland when he was about a yard out. Was it Zach, mm-hmm. Zach yep. Knight? And he still managed to dive across and claw out. Keepers have got, you know, keepers are fast at getting down to things and getting across to things. But anyway, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I understand from Craig Gordon if someone's done that to you, I can understand his annoyance. I'm not going to criticise him for that. But at the same time, if you want to, you want to chip a penalty, if you you want to take that chance then who's to stop you it's a, do you remember remember Pires and um Henri yeah the, the, the tap it worse. and then the but the I'm surprised that that hasn't happened more often I mean it's difficult now because there's so many eyes on goalkeepers coming off his line or def, um, players encroaching inside the the 18 yard box um I, I just I'm slightly surprised that there haven't been more different ways <laughs> of taking a penalty. One of my favourite ones, and it, like, it wasn't even teams that anyone's ever heard of, and it appears on, on social media from time to time. It's a penalty shootout, and the guy's got to score. Um, and he slams the bar. So the goalkeeper uh, runs away, yeah. celebrating. <laughs> yeah, I know the ball mean. goes miles high. Keeper's gone. He's up celebrating with his teammates on halfway, or he's heading towards halfway. 
Ball now eventually makes its way back down. But because of the way that the ball's been hit and hit the bar, it's got backspin on it. Yeah. So when it bounces, it then heads back towards the goal. And then suddenly the teammates at halfway are like, shit, get back. <laughs> Too late. Ball ends up in the goal. So that that's quirky. That That's different. But look, it's funny. We're, we're spending a lot of time talking about the penalty that put Celtic 2-0 up. And ultimately the game was decided by penalties of which, had he still been on and not been substituted, I would have been very intrigued as to what yeah. Edouard would have done with his next penalty. I always, I, it's one, I, I always get fascinated by that... Um... The, the second penalty someone has to take, whether it's a retake or it's a second penalty in the game. Um, you know, if he scored, do you go the same way? Do you go the opposite way? I think that's like, that's always an interesting mind game. Um, yeah, and I think there's also just the last thing on the, the penalty types that you mentioned. There's one where the keeper saves it, and I can't remember what penalty it was, and he got up too quickly to celebrate, but he saved it, and it, again, there was backspin, so after he kind of panned it out, <laughs> It spun back and it hit the turf and just spun back. And I think his teammates were all going, no, no, look behind you. <laughs> it was like the pantomime. It's like, it's behind you. Anyway, um, it was 2-0 and it looked ominous at that stage. I mean, Edouard had um, another good chance in the first half. He, he missed one in the second, which we're fast forwarding a little bit. But Celtic had chances and at halftime, you felt like, we need to change something, you know, we need to change. And I even said it you know, during the break, it's like, right, we need to hopefully make some substitutions or at least one, but at the very least we need to rejig what we're doing. It's not working. And then out they come and it's the same personnel and we're like, right, okay, what, what are we doing? How are we changing the setup? <laughs> it's not. Nope. It's, it's the same bloody formation. But you know, credit where credit's due, it didn't take us long. What, three minutes into the second half? And it, it, like you mentioned before, of all the players in the park to, to I guess, swing the game, not back in our favour, but give us another chance. It was A.D. White who did absolutely brilliantly on the on the left wing. And as much as Christopher Iyer is not a fullback, he is a centre-back, he's not a slouch. Um, he did really well, not just to flick it away from him, but he, he held him off. And it was all about White, although Halliday sets up the goal and it's a good header by Boyce. I mean, it's all about White, really, that that goal that we got back, the first one. It is. Um, and it would be very difficult for him to have created that goal from the substitutes bench, where most of us would have had him <laughs> at half time, having been replaced. So I think it's only fair that when you look back at things, most of us look back selectively. And if something is there that we don't really want to see, we'll, we'll gloss over it. We'll, we'll focus on various other things. I'm going to read you the messages I sent to my mates at halftime. Um, this was when I thought there was there was no way back. And I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I'm going to read it verbatim. Um, and I, three messages that that I wrote. Robbie's fucked this up. I'm afraid. Set up <laughs> to contain without a plan B. Right. So that was the first one. Second one, straight afterwards. No pace in this team and inviting Celtic onto us. They have a rookie goalkeeper and a bomb-scare centre-back and we've not laid a glove or tested them one iota. And number three, the likelihood was us going behind. A hybrid formation of 3-4-2-1 could easily become 4-3-3 without any personnel changes. This is defensively rigid and can only be changed with subs. I got it wrong. And anyone who sent similar texts got it wrong as well. But that's that's why in this world of 
instantaneousness. There isn't, oh, we have to wait until the following day for a newspaper to find out what actually happened. Things can change in seconds these days. You've got this opinion, oh, you delete tweet because you don't want to read that because you've, you've made a right arse of that. Things changed. So let's take number one. Robbie's fucked this up, I'm afraid. Set up to contain without a plan B. I was wrong there as well. We could have been more than two down, but ultimately we, we might have been a bit closer. So did he screw it up? Well, no, he, he didn't. But that was the perception at half time. So you've, you've seen the start of the second half. You've seen the same players. You've just said, okay, right, what's, what's the difference of formation? None. Okay, so he's basically said to them at half time, something along the lines of, look, come on, you're showing them too much respect, you've got nothing to lose, have a go, let's push our two fullbacks or wingbacks forward so that 5-2-3 or 5-4-1 can then become a 3-whatever-it-is, 3-4-2-1. There we're talking about the hybrid again. And we get the goal. Now, Christopher Iyer is a player, and I've listened to a couple of people speak about Christopher Iyer. Christopher Iyer fancies himself as a player who, who is comfortable in the ball and can play further forward. Um, he actually began further forward in, in his career um, prior to joining Celtic because he played as a defensive midfielder because he felt he was comfortable in the ball. And he wanted to play as a winger, and he was told, no, we don't think you're a winger we think you're a, a centre-back. And that's how it kind of was earlier in his career. So as a centre-back earlier this season, he was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. But as a right-back, he was, he was okay. He got, but he's comfortable on the ball. But he was there to be exploited. And he approached A.D. White as a centre-back and just got totally yeah. flummoxed by that. But there's still a lot of work to be done. I love the fact, and here, I never put a tweet, or a me- not a tweet, sorry, I never put a message out about Eddie White. I just, it was a save draft. I thought it, and I thought, why? Along with everyone else that, that I read. Um, and I don't know what it is about Eddie White. Um, when we had Phil Hay on, Phil was talking about, before Eddie White's injury, he was, he was going to be one of, potentially one of England's bright young things. Um, he's not that player anymore. But Craig Levine saw something in him, and subsequently Robbie Nielsen saw something in him to start. If you're playing Kingsley as a left centre-back, you need another left-back or a left-wing-back, and, and Eddie White was the choice. So there's a lot of humble pie that had to be eaten by a lot of Hearts fans. But after we got that goal, then you're thinking, you know what? Back to the boxing analogy, they are on the ropes this time. Indeed. Um, Edward actually had a good chance after... We we got that goal, but yeah, it did feel like the tide was turning a little bit. And I guess one of the big moments is um, 57 minutes when we do make a change, and it's Jamie Walker coming off, and it's Ginelli coming on. And we'll we'll get into talk about Ginelli because obviously he plays a big part in what happens for the rest of the game. But I don't want to I don't want to focus on too many negatives, and you know. Some players, Walker, some players were better than others, but you felt that most of the players who were involved throughout the game, on a whole, had a big contribution. And you know, we talk about White. I mean, I didn't think White was fantastic overall in the game, but he had like that great no. moment and he worked hard. <sighs> Jamie Walker is the one where you're like, he, he wasn't there. I mean, no. he just like like you were saying, people joking. 
can we bring Walker on at halftime? He just, he he was anonymous. You, you could almost have forget, you know, if, if you hadn't, if I hadn't had a team in front of me and I had I'd just been made to watch it from the start of the game without anything in front of me, he's one of those where you'd be like, wait, is Walker playing? You would have to keep double checking because you, you just didn't notice him whatsoever. Here's how I would handle this if I was a manager. And I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad I, I have the ability to send erroneous text messages, make an arse of myself, <laughs> but don't don't tweet them because you can't get them back. You can kind of, if it's just you and your pals, then it's fine. You can admit you screwed up. They're off Monday, Tuesday. We are recording this. What day is this? Wednesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. It's hard to this tell at Christmas. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know. I'm watching Juventus right now not without a clue what day it is. So they're off today, or they, ha- they were off today. They were off Monday, Tuesday, and they're back in Wednesday. I'd have the training session as normal, no problem. Um, try and pick their heads up. I think psychologically that's that's important. Different people will de- deal with it differently. Craig Gordon, from what I understand, was absolutely distraught at the weekend. But thankfully he's a late 30-something player and not a young 20, early 20-something player who doesn't know how to maybe handle it going forward. I mean, Craig Gordon's had highs and lows in his career, and he didn't think he was ever going to play again. So and he's won all those trophies. He, he'll be all right. He, he hurt at the weekend. But if I'm Robbie Nielsen, I'm having the training session as normal on Wednesday, and then I'm just, as the boys go back in and get changed into their various changing rooms that they have to be in now with COVID and separate and everything, I'm just say to Jamie, Jamie, um, gonna go. just afterwards, or just to not shout out in front, just to kind of, Curry in, as my gran used to say, and just a wee whisper said, how was that training? Um, you, you mind if I get a word with you? Just come and see me in the office after you're, you're done. No issues whatsoever. Just just come and see me. And I would have already have prepared Jamie's best bets from this season. And I'm not showing him anything from the weekend. He doesn't need to be shown anything from the weekend. I would just say to him, look, see this and this and this. And all the good things you've done this season, it's there. So we just need to get to the bottom of why it wasn't there at the weekend. Is it a big game or big stage mentality problem that he has? And if it is, let's work on that. Is it, uh, it was too much for me? Okay, let's work on that. But you have evidence of the good things. And it doesn't matter if it's against lowly championship sides or whoever it's against. Good play is good play. In any game, and at times, Jamie Walker, he was the first name on the team sheet for a couple of games because of the way he was playing. He was brilliant. And then we had the times where he was playing alongside Stephen Naismith, and we thought, only one of them can play in that position. No, both of them can, in behind a, a striker. So I'd be showing him the good stuff and, and then asking him, just leave it to him. I'm not going to offer an opinion as to why I think it didn't work for him on Sunday. I want to get his thoughts. I don't know what they would be, but that would then tell me a lot about where he is mentally, because this is a player who I remember coming through. I remember speaking to John Murray when Jamie was a 16-year-old, and John was waxing lyrical. He goes, we think we've got one of the next big things. And Jamie's potential was huge when he was coming through. And when he left, he probably thought, I've got the world at my feet. I'm going to go down south, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be the, next, the next big thing. I'm, I'm going to live up to the expectation. And I'm, I'm going to make a success for myself. It's happened to some players, but it didn't happen to him. He went to Wigan. He started one game in League One. That was it. 
that season that he went down. They got to the championship. He never played. He went to Peterborough, started six games, scored one goal. By this stage, you're thinking, now what? And I think it was a resurrection to come to Hearts. I think his career was resurrected. This is a kid that's 27 years old. He could be, or about to be, in the prime of, of his career. I think you find out why Sunday happened for Jamie Walker, and you work out and you work with him about how it doesn't happen again on a big stage. Because I want to be putting Jamie Walker's name on my team sheet, one of the first ones on my team sheet. Yeah. I don't want the next time Hearts get to a semi-final or a cup final to go, ooh, remember the last time we played Celtic and, and he went missing. And remember when we took him aside after training and we didn't get the answers we were hoping for. That's what I would do with Jamie Walker. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, the big frustration for a lot of fans is, you know, the talent, and the technical ability that he has. And, you know, you see an A.D. Sure. White, and an A.D. White is not impressed a lot of the time for Hearts. But when he does, you think it's largely because, you know, he gets stuck in and he, and he gets involved and he works hard. Whereas with Jamie Walker, you know that talent is there. You see some games where he puts it on. It's just about finding a way to, to, I guess, make sure that that happens more consistently and in the big games. But anyway, the man who came on, Ginelli, obviously helped with the resurgence in the game for Hearts um, a couple of minutes after coming on he probably should have scored and this is where you start to feel Oof. Jesus, Celtic are starting to shake because Duffy and Julien I mean it was you, you could have played Benny Hill music and it wouldn't have seemed out of place, I, I don't know what they were doing it was just from nothing If that's not a, a catalyst for belief in the opposition I don't know what is yeah, I mean, it was it, it was utterly bizarre, obviously, and I think Ginelli was as surprised as everyone else when he was suddenly handed a ball um, to go through one-on-one. Um, on his, obviously, because of the angle he came in at and he wanted to get it on his right foot, it was harder to maybe get his boot around it to get a good bit of power, and it was a fairly routine save for Hazard in the end. Um, if, you're play, if you're players one-on-one, you expect them to do better. And that's why yeah. I said earlier, we didn't have an Odson Edward or a Lee Griffiths in our team. We hadn't just brought one of them on. I mean, he'd been on bed. for... It, 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 yeah, yeah I, I know, I know. But it puts to bed the suggestion that we were discussing two or three weeks ago about could Josh Ginelli play through the middle? No. I mean, no, I think... he's been out for quite a bit. He was on for two minutes. But I agree, it's, it's finishing maybe it was a weaker part of when he came on. I know he scored, but it was... I think I actually... <laughs> I should send it to Ryan, actually. I think I said that's Ryan McGowan range during commentary. Yeah. Um, but then eight minutes later, um, he is involved in the goal that does get Hearts level. A corner kick whipped into the box and Connor Hazard, one of his many dodgy moments, completely flaps at it. Kingsley heads it back towards goal. I have to say with the naked eye, I don't know what, what your view was, I couldn't tell at all the naked eye a couple of times, just because of the way, the angle the player was at on the line, um, but Hearts were very convinced, which is often a, a big a big sign of, of what's actually happened. Ah, right, so here's a couple of things about this. One, it took too long for it that did. goal to be awarded. It did. Okay, you have an assistant, additional assistant referee looking right at it, and I've watched it again and he could claim, oh, the player who ended up off the pitch, having put it back across goal, was in my line of sight. That, that, well, move. <laughs> you should be the one that indicates that. You've got goal line technology and an additional assistant referee. 
I am not convinced and will never be convinced by anyone or their arguments that if we did not have goal line technology on Sunday, I don't think that goal would have been awarded. No. Because we had it, I think that's why it was awarded. I am not convinced that that additional assistant referee would have given it. So no, that's no, because I, I assumed it hadn't been given. No, it was the referee because the, the camera, the main camera um, on, on TV showed the referee because you, you saw Robbie in, in a, a replay. I think he was asking for a handball. I don't know. What, uh, yeah, because the way he tries to chest it off the line, again, it's hard to tell, but he did look like it hit his arm and it would be there yeah. be what, deliberate deliberate handball and a red card? Yeah, but I think... Yeah, but I think... I, I don't know. I wasn't paying much attention to the replay because the goal... The goal was given, so I don't even know if it did hit the arm. The other point, and I'm sure I got an answer to this that I wasn't happy with um, from a, an official, an older official or, or whatever. You have an, a, an assistant referee, and I don't know why, I, I mean, we don't have VAR, but so we've got two guys with sticks behind the goal. You have an additional, sorry, you have an assistant referee on each side. Okay, main stand side, the additional referee runs from the right side. Of the line, so he's to the right-hand side of the centre circle. On the far side, if you're on the the tunnel side, the main stand side, your assistant referee is on the far side to the left. So he runs corner to halfway line from the left. Why do you have an additional assistant referee on the same side behind the goal as an assistant referee? So you've got two sets of eyes plus a referee which should be able to, anything that happens in, in that area of the park, you should be able to, to rectify pretty easily. But on the other side, you don't have someone behind the goal to the goalie's right, and you don't have an, an assistant referee on the left-hand side of halfway. Whereas you've got two guys within spitting distance on what, and again, I can't remember what I was told as to why, because I have asked the question before. It's just I didn't, I didn't like the answer, so I'm like, well, I'm not remembering it. It just seems it seems stupid. So maybe the additional assistant referee will claim that he couldn't see it because right at that convenient moment of the ball ending up just over the line, as it was proved, there was a player right in front of him. Well, move. The stick isn't that heavy. It does not preclude you from getting a decent eye line on it. But I am. I will refuse to be convinced otherwise. Had there not been goal line technology in the Scottish Cup final, Hearts would not have been awarded that goal. So two two, there to be won, and should we have won it? Ninety one minutes. Ah, <sighs> Smith did really well, sliding in, gets it down the line. Ollie Lee does exactly what he should do, cuts it back. Cuts it back. Ginelli, yeah. what's it? 12 yards out, maybe? I think it's a harder chance than it looks. History will will look back unkindly on that and go, oh, yeah, he missed an absolute sitter. That would have won us the cup. It was a good chance. I don't think it was any more than that. I would have been, if I had Edward or Griffiths as my striker there, and they scored, I'd be saying that's a decent finish. Yeah, I think, uh, I think my frustration at first, was... At first, Laurie, at first, I thought it was deflected. Yeah, my frustration was the fact he completely skied it, I think. I think I said in commentary, you want to at least try and hit the target and you maybe get a deflection off that defender and it takes it in. Um, you Maybe the keeper blocks it, someone follows up. It's just, I think it's the fact that it was scooped 
a mile over the bar was the was the frustration. But um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't a tap in. It wasn't an easy chance. No, no, it was. It was a good chance, right? It was a good chance that went a begging. I don't really have much interest in looking back on on Hearts' defeats um, as far what? as okay. let's watch that again. <laughs> Right, which which I didn't, which we're just I doing. Yeah, no, I mean, but I'm I'm replaying the game in my mind. I'm not, so I'm going back. To, so people may remember chances different from me. People may think it was a better than a good chance, which is is fine. But let's let's cut to the chase here. We are who we are, right? We're not Liverpool or Man City or Milan, or Juventus, or PSG, or, or Bayern Munich. We don't have a striker that you would expect him to score that. There'll be Hearts fans that say, well, I would expect Ginelli to score that. Well, fine. Okay, no, no problem with that. But we are a, a championship side, albeit uh, a, a championship side in name only. It's up to us to get up. Um, listen to a few of the guys on various podcasts since the weekend. Hearts should be challenging for top six with the squad that they have right now and will hopefully continue to have when it evolves over the next 12 months. But we don't have that 30-goal-a-season striker. We don't have that £20 million guy who that good chance then becomes a great chance. It was Josh Ginelli, who'd already missed one. He'd scored one. And he's at Hearts for a reason. He's at Hearts because ultimately he's a good player. And hopefully we'll be a very good player. Hopefully we'll sign him on a, a longer-term deal. But Hearts is pretty much a redemption club for him. Okay, I need to do well at Hearts to try and get a better move to kickstart my career. Whether Jamie thought Wigan was that for him, Josh Ginelli maybe thought, well, Hearts is a good chance for, for me to do well and put myself in the shop window. Again, this is, there is no right or wrong answer. It's totally subjective. It would be a, For me, it's a good chance for Josh Ginelli that you're like, oh, we could have scored that. But it would be a great chance for a, a really good player. We don't have a really, really top player. We're hearts. We're not where players come for the pinnacle of their career. And neither are Celtic, by the way. Watson Edward doesn't sign for Celtic, put the scarf above his head and say, that I've always dreamed of playing for Celtic. This is where I want to end my career. It's a stepping stone. It's just a stepping stone at a different level. We can't attract that type of player to hearts. We attract the players that we attract. Should he have scored? I don't know. I'm not going to watch it again. It might be a better chance than I thought. It was a good chance, and it could have, it could have meant that we won the cup. We didn't. So we went to extra time. Um, not the, I guess the most open initially. Sometimes the extra time goes that way. I know White had a, an attempt that he put over the bar after a nice one-two with Ginelli. Um Right on half time in the first half of extra time, Celtic regained the lead, and it's Griffiths who came off the bench who scores it. Um, it's a tricky one. Uh, you don't want Scott Brown, I suppose, being the one who wins a header in the box. Uh, Gordon with the save can't really do much. It's very unlucky the way it deflects off of him after he makes the save to fall for Griffiths. And I guess at that point, I mean, did you still have belief that we'd come back at that point? I mean, I know it felt like a. It did feel like it, not not the ultimate signal that we're going to get to, but it felt like a a real body blow at the time. Obviously, having got once level, we went. Once we went three-two, did I have belief? No. It felt it felt differently. It, it at two-one and seeing what happened after we got it back to two-one, I'm thinking we have got a right chance here. They're they're a mess. 
Defensively, they're all over the place. They can't keep the ball. Their shape's gone. At 3-2, the timing of it, I still thought we had a little chance, but there was time. Time is running out. 50 yeah, minutes 50 left. Minutes. You, were ho- you were hoping that Celtic went back into the same Celtic they did into their shell to an extent in the second half, and they did. Yeah. Um, and, and again, we went into the 2-1 mode. Nothing to lose here. No inhibitions. No consequences. A um, couple of things. When, when he came on, I just had a feeling. I just he, He's got a habit of scoring against Hearts and uh, doing well on the big occasion. I, I would rather he wasn't in the squad. I was fearful of two players, and they both came off the bench. Tom Rogic and Lee Griffiths. Just because of what they've done to Hearts in the past. And I thought Rogic was very quiet. Um, when he came on, yeah. um, he had one that whistled I, wide right at the death, right on 120 which, minutes, which, but which was yeah. very close. So, but so he was a concern, and thankfully that never came to anything. But Griffiths was a was a concern when when he came on. And by the way, we didn't do well enough to mark Scott Brown, so that's a concern because we spoke in the first half about the first goal and how it was just one of those things we couldn't get someone to the ball. We were unfortunate, um, and it was a great goal. That was a little bit more annoying in two things. One, Scott Brown pretty much had a free header and, and wasn't really picked up. But two, if Craig Levine, Craig Levine, if Craig Gordon doesn't get the second touch, you spoke about it, the ricochet. I think we get that clear. It's the yeah. ricochet that takes it right to, to those things happen. Again, there's, once he gets the header in, there's very little you can do um, after the ricochet, the second touch from Craig, his first touch after he saves it. And they put the ball into the roof of the net, and I'm thinking, but do you know what? Maybe that being scored just before halftime and extra time, rather than just after halftime and extra time, uh, helped us. I don't know. I, I don't know what Robbie said. One, one thing which I have never seen and will never see again was it's called the Chiron. Um, it's basically it's the the, the lower third. It's the it's the graphics panel that that comes up um, when a goal is scored. So it had this for an equalising uh, or, or or for a goal scored. It had Lee Griffiths. So it had Christie nineteen, Edward mm-hmm. penalty twenty nine, Boyce forty eight, Kingsley sixty seven, and then it said Griffiths. 45 plus 61. I'm like, what is this? I was was pissed off at continuing, but I actually smiled. I'm like, I have never seen, why not just 90 plus 15 or 105 plus 1 or whatever? I've never seen 45 plus 61. This is not a maths lesson, is it? I mean, go on. But, what? Um, anyway. Well, then on on forty five plus um sixty six, seven, seven was it? 66, yeah, 66, 67, yeah. 67, something like that. Ollie Lee <laughs> floated a free kick in, <laughs> and this, I mean, it, it was just getting worse for Connor Hazard at this point because he jumps up and I think it hits off his back, and then goes. And falls for Kingsley again at the back post. Who heads it across goal, and there's Ginelli to to get it in over the line from Ryan McGowan range. But it was it was almost comical at that point. And and then suddenly, 
you're like we've we've clawed our way back in again and I know at the end actually it was Celtic who pushed for the last couple of minutes I said Rogic whistled one wide but you almost felt like I know at the time I was like we need to try and win this now because penalties is a lottery whereas now you feel like their belief could be shattered again I, I don't know if that's what you f- I felt like we've got nine minutes to try and win this that was my feeling at the time was uh, yeah isn't it funny how you, you think differently I thought oh god have we scored too early again no, as I mean, I was because I hate pe- I hate penalty kicks. I hate them. We've done all right with them though. We've, and I just can't stand the them. It's too much of a oh, no. I hate it. I remember commentating for Hearts for the cup final in '06 against Gretna with oh. Gary and Gary McKay and Stefan Adam. I don't know what that was. I just I had a feeling I was like this will be this will be it. Lawrence Brody was an absolute mess alongside. He was just a puddle oh. of goo. Oh, I I couldn't. They they had um. Uh, the Kill Bill theme was it? Um, yeah, they do that. Battle uh-huh. without honor, or mm-hmm. yep. I, I won't, I won't try and hum it. But you know the one. I remember that yep. playing and just standing there. But part <laughs> part of that one was like, oh my god, we can only lose here. Even if we win this, it's going to be like, well, Hearts only managed to scrape past Gretna. It was like, yeah. it just felt like all the pressure and all the pressure was on us anyway in that game. But even more so, I was like. Even winning this on penalties now is like barely pass marks. I know in the end, when you actually do it, you're still celebrating. But oh god, no, I hated that. I was I was dreading those. But I never. I'm normally like nervous, Nelly, um, and, and think the worst. I don't know why. I just I felt I felt we would win that game on penalties against Gretna, and the penalties were really good. And I thought the first the first. Three penalties we took were exceptional. And it reminded me a little bit of the feeling I got with Scotland against Serbia. Um, I kind of thought, you know what, we've got a chance here. And then when Christie missed... Oh, God. But but going back to the... Before we kind of continue with that, Rogic scored really late to kill Aberdeen. Oh, I know. know. And I thought, you know, he's going to do this again. And if you had offered me... And this should be an interesting thing. You can, obviously, you can think about this yourselves, whether you would or wouldn't have done so. So if whoever comes up to you after Ginelli equalizes and says, you can sign up right now. We'll not play the last eight minutes of, the, of extra time. I'll give you penalties right now. I'm taking it. Are you? No. Okay. I, I genuinely... And it's it's maybe me. I don't. I'm not a fan of penalty kicks generally. I know they I know they have to be there because you can't just. I love them for the drama. I just don't uh, like it when my team's involved. I just I don't like them. I really don't like them at all. If I've got even the slightest bit of investment in anyone who's involved, I I I, I find it such a harsh way to lose a game. I know it's I know it's great to win it that way, but I I'm just. It's like a, I know it's a means to an end, and you can't just do what they did in the old days and keep replaying game after game. But um, I just I can't stand them. I would have said, yeah. I would have said, no, nah, give me the last eight minutes because I felt like we would have had the momentum and the belief. And in the end, I know we could have won it. Celtic probably had the the closer opportunity before the end. There's no right. There's no right or wrong answer. I mean, I personally would. I think ultimately they're a better side than us. So. That doesn't necessarily because they were a better side when they were a mess. And you know, I said, I I was going to say, I said to, so we got to penalty kicks, and Jimmy was talking about, you know, we've got Craig Gordon, um, great keeper, 
they've got Connor Hazard. He, you know, their keepers look as like Jimmy. He's going to save three penalties. Now you've said that. You know, he's you know what's going to happen. Um, and I said, you know, because you, you can't lose as a goalkeeper on penalty kicks. I, it's, I know that's not entirely true, but it's a fairly, it's almost a no-lose situation for a goalkeeper. You don't really get blamed in a shootout much, do you? You can no, win, no, um, no. And and I'd rather have Craig Gordon in a penalty shot, even though he said to us that he's he's not saved as many as he would have liked. He's he's not got the best record. Um. So before I before we talk about the specifics of of penalties, I just want to go back to Hearts equaliser. Stephen Naismith and Scott Brown throughout. It was like itchy and scratchy, right? Um, and they, they were playing with playing. It was like the goalkeeper was like a totem pole, and they were going left and right and scurry, scuttling and scurrying around them um, throughout the game from from set plays. I, I, the goalkeeper when he came for, I don't know if, if whether Naismith and what he'd done previously was in his mind or whatever. But the, goal, the goalkeeper was a mess. Um, and I, I don't know if what had happened earlier was part of the reason for, for Hearts equalising, because he came for it and never, never got there. But anyway, it finished 3-3. Can you guess what the first thing I did at referee John Beaton's full-time whistle and extra time was before penalties? Um, I don't know. I put a hundred quid on Celtic. Ah! I just thought if Hearts are losing this, I want to be compensated for it. Oh, did you see? Uh, this is—it's not a tangent because it's relevant to what you just said. Did you see the the bet the Hearts fan had? No. Oh, this is uh, the guy. Um, I actually tweeted him um, and gave him my commiserations because this is this is agony. So this guy had. Um, he, he's on Twitter. What was S Jenks? Uh, S Jenks seventy seven on Twitter. Anyway, I saw this well after the game. I saw this yesterday, um, which was Monday. So he had one of these bet builders on Bet three six five. Andy Halliday to be booked. Stephen Naismith to be booked. <laughs> Should have been both odds on. Stephen Kingsley to score any time in the match. Oof, goodness me. Hearts to win on penalties. What were the odds on that? 2,700 oh, to 1. He had a fiver on, oh, which returned oh 13.5 grand. Now, oh, this is a Hearts fan as well. This isn't a neutral, this is a Hearts fan. Now, just to make it worse, so I, I, I followed the thread and then I messaged him about this. I said, oh, what, what about the cash out? So it turns out he can't watch penalty kicks. So he took the dog for a walk and left his phone with his other half. Oh, no. So there was, was the cash out available? 10,000 cash out. And <gasps> she was too slow. It froze as she was trying to process a 10 grand no! cash out. After, Christy, after Christie's penalty got saved, she tried to cash it out for over 10 grand. But she wasn't quick enough you know how it gives you it for a bit yeah then yeah you get, and then it's a five then there's a five second kind it, of delay it for froze it it, it oh. froze it between that and then oh, no. and i was like oh my god so was... did, did he leave did, so wait a minute he's, he's gone for a walk with the dog yeah so he didn't want to what he didn't want to watch the penalties nope and he said to the missus you deal with this yeah it's i think you, he if said you want to, to take the cash out so i think she was quite upset actually he said you know because that's you know that's that, that's 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 a Amount of, there's so <laughs> no much pressure. going on here. I mean, I was devastated just because Hearts oh. lost on penalties. But 
sure, surely the cash out is available prior to taking the dog for a walk. I feel for the for the possibly, partner. but I think at that point it probably would have been you know the bookies aren't going to give you half because it's a fifty fifty. It would have probably been. I, I don't know. I'm just uh, theorising. You know, it would have been maybe, maybe a couple a quarter of grand or something. something. Oh, yeah. they're stingy. They do not. Oh, I know. Uh, you know, so that with Celtic still would have been probably maybe. Oh, well, I never heard about this. <gasps> no, uh, I forwarded you the screenshot. Honestly, I, I saw that. I, I hope he. I hope he doesn't have a go. At, at, is it the wife or the girlfriend or something that, um, that was he left the phone with? I think he just said the missus. So yeah. So wife, hope, wife or girlfriend? Hope, yeah. She's done nothing wrong. I no, I don't. I don't think he was. Blame her for. No, I no don't good, so. good. That's a that's a hell of a pressure. I mean, not not on the same level, but it it reminds me um, of my brother-in-law, 2012, Hearts Hibs. Um, Because we got married over here in in November 2010, uh, we never had the opportunity to have our wedding party, our wedding reception, um, until (laughs) the 18th of May um, 2012. So we booked it long in advance. Um, I knew Hearts would be in the semi-final, but I knew we were. I was after the draw that we booked the Gorgie Suite. Is where we actually had it. Um, I booked it through Hearts and Graham Pacitti, um did the the catering, and then I booked it after the the draw pitied us for Celtic. And I thought, well, there's no chance. I said, so there's no danger that the Gorgie Suite is going to be needed that weekend. So I booked the the Gorgie Suite. We had our um, we had our big party there. Uh, Craig Gordon was actually there. Um, oh, okay. Oh. Craig, Craigie, yeah, Craigie came along because Craigie and Laney, um, my wife, because um, he played with her brother, so they've known each other. I've told you before the story about the team that Craigie was with, Thinkcastle Boys yes. Club, who went to Spain and um, some of the boys, not Craigie, uh, were ransacking and trying to get away with stealing cans yeah, of coke. From it was all Neil Janchik, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and Stotty was there. Big Stotty came with his t shirts. Um, Hibernian Scottish Cup winners 2012. So there's a photo of my wife with that going, yeah, that'll be right. And obviously that never. So it was, it was an unbelievable weekend. So my brother-in-law, um, Graham, Craig Gordon's former teammate, um, likes a, a pint, as we all do. And the minute, all, all, all that week, hearts are, hearts are beating Hibs 5-1. 5-1. So all you would say, well, come on, this is stupid. 5-1, 5-1, In the morning, um, I went with my mum and dad and my father-in-law and my brother-in-law. We all went through together. All you heard, 5-1, 5-1, We checked odds. We'd gone to odds checker. We'd got the best odds, which I think were 100 to 1. I, I can't remember what they were, but let's say it was 100 to 1. He was going to stick 20-odd quid or whatever. So he'd gone to he'd gone to the same pub, and this is when it gets a bit bizarre. He'd gone to the same pub at, near Hamden as Gordon Petrich. Because he's, this is where it gets really weird. Because he sent me a photo. He goes, "Who's this?" And Gordon Petrich hasn't changed. I'm like Gordon Petrich at the cup final. Why is? Why was Gordon Petrich there? No idea. This is this is another. This is this is a a kind of sleuth for another day. We need to find out why Gordon Petrich was at the cup final. So they were in the same. So he's he's having a few pints. Um, he's with Gordon Petrich and others, and they're all having a good sing song and and whatever. So he's 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 steaming before kickoff. And, and they're having a chat, and, and there was a bookies not far on the way to the, the way to Hamden. So whoever he'd been speaking to had convinced him. He kept going five one five one. He goes, whoever said to him, 
Hibs are shite. They're not going to score. <laughs> so once, you've, once you've had a few beers, and the odds weren't as, as much on 5-0 as 5-1. But he, he put his money on 5-0. And it was the most bittersweet day for him because Hearts won the Cup, beating our biggest rivals, stumped them 5-1, as he'd said all week. And I don't know how much he would want. If it'd been 20 quid, 100 to 1, and there, there you go. Um, there's a couple of grand. 5-0 was the bet he put on. Sore one. I guess not quite as sore, but yeah, sore one. Um, and but at it, least there was a happy end of that. Because you've won. I know, that's the thing. It's a double whammy. Not only it, have you lost the money, you've lost the game on penalties. Oh my God. I wonder how he slept on oh Saturday, God. Sunday night. I know. Shit. I had to me- Unbelievable I had, story. I had, to, I had to message him because I was actually like, this was Monday. This was the day after I saw it and I was like, <laughs> Oh, I almost felt guilty for being so gutted about just losing the game. Um, so it's a, you've sent you've sent me the screenshot. It was a five. So this was placed, and it was a five pound to return thirteen thousand five hundred and five pounds. Um, the cash out would have been ten thousand five hundred and sixty two after Ryan Christie missed the penalty. So you're still talking a decent cash out of oh, I'd say yes. at least a couple of grand. Yes. So anyway, go 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 back to the go back to the hundred quid I put on. I don't want to I don't want to lose Dick. money, but I thought I'm willing to lose <laughs> up to a hundred quid if Hearts win this, right? Because what were the odds of that? I don't that? care. Can't be that good, do they? Evens. No, it was eight, it was eight, eight to eleven, right? The, the ah. bookies were just, they made the stomach Celtic the favourites. I did, I didn't shop around because ah, they they always make both teams like slightly odds against, don't they? Yeah, I mean you you should have five to six the two. Right, and I probably could have got better odds elsewhere, but I wasn't. I just like I had this premonition in my head throughout the game of when we got back to level terms at two all. That's when I got. I, I kind of thought, I said, if this goes to penalties, I can't really lose here because either my team wins the cup and I'm down fifty, a hundred quid, or I, I'm compensated for my team losing the cup. I know I won seventy eight quid. It's it's it, that's insignificant. I just. I don't know why I did it, and it, I just when the final whistle went, that's the first thing I did. Hundred quid, eight to eleven, Celtic, and I felt dirty putting that on. But I thought, you know what? It's your fault. If Hearts win this, I'm happy. It's bad juju. It's no, just, <laughs> uh, bad juju, Smith Schuster. Yeah. So what a day. But um, even a three-two. I mean, we've not even got. I mean, obviously we're, also, we're not going to dissect every penalty before it. But when, when. Gordon saved Christie's penalty. That's when I kind of oh, felt, I, I felt like emotion wash over me. And I said to some people after the game, I think I would have cried if we'd won on penalties at that point. I think I could feel it. I was like, I just, with, just with everything that's minor- gone on. I think, I think Hearts fans who wouldn't have cried would have been in the minority. I think you could feel the, I could feel the emotion building up. And then obviously when, when it goes the other way, it wasn't like a, I don't think I could ever feel a crying upset at football. I think it I think it would always be a no, I was, of yes. and I switched happy off. tears. You you, you've got to get out of there. You've got to finish off. The minute that final penalty, I never, I, I've got no interest in watching them win the cup. That smarmy little bastard putting his hands on the trophy. And I want to mention before we end this podcast, the Scott Brown, Stephen Naismith thing. But I want to mention it from a perspective of the, I'm trying to be neutral and there are two sides to this story. I loathe him. But I would love him to be my captain. Not at the weekend, but with all that success. He 
is their Stephen Naismith. And it's only fair that we look at that and not just Scott Brown this, Scott Brown that. He's, he's horrible. Yeah. And horrible. Think, no, you're right. And the thing is, we, you know, Stephen Naismith suggested it in his interview and we've heard we've heard from people suggesting it. Naismith's got no particular issue with it in the game. He says he does, it's similar to what he does. He tries to wind people up. Of he course, gets under the skin. Do you know what my issue, my big issue is not so much, you know, in the game, getting a rise from people. It's See, after the game. full time, to... you've done oh, your that... bit. You've won the game. So you've been effective. You've, you've just won a trophy. You know, your, your teammates, you've got a goalkeeper who's just had a redemption. They're all running to celebrate. Don't be a fucking arsehole and the first thing you do is run to the opposition players to goad them. That, 100%. That, is it, yeah, that gets me a little bit because I'm like, why is your first reaction not to celebrate? I mean, my... Do you know what? If that, sorry, Laurie. If, if, if we'd won the cup and that would have been the first thing that Stephen Naismith had done, we would all be like, ah, look at, look at him. Great, he's went straight to them. That's a dick move. It is, and I would, to be honest, I would have maybe, I think I would, I would have maybe, I wouldn't have been annoyed by it, but I would have understood it as being a dick move if Naismith had done the same thing. We have to talk. I would have like criticised him, but yeah. No, of of course, we have a similar type player. I think he's Scott Brown light, in that his shithousery has a limit. I'm not sure Scott Brown, and do you know what? If he's happy doing that, then then fine. Nothing that he does is illegal. It's just shit. It is. It's like having to. And I had to. I was. I didn't have to. But I was tidying things up and I was watching. And there was something very bizarre. I mean, we'll quickly talk about the penalties because I felt the Kingsley one was the moment. I think for uh, not not just for me for for everyone because I mean it was a poor penalty, but when he when that was missed again. It was almost maybe the first time in the game since two 0 down that I felt it's done. That's we're not coming back from that. Um, and I didn't. I I just I I kind of I knew White wasn't going to score at that point. I just felt like it swung in their favour. And it was another poor penalty. And I, I have been critical. I'll always be critical of footballers taking poor penalties in matches. I think on you. Know, in normal situations in matches, if that makes sense. See, penalty shootouts, I, I always think it's a bit different. It's such a high-pressure moment. I, I don't have the same level of criticism. I don't know if that's hypocritical of me to say that, because I will be critical of players when they can't take a decent penalty from 12 yards in a game. Um, but I, I don't know. It just feels like it's always something different in a penalty shootout. I think it's... It, it, it's, a di- it's a different animal, okay? Now... I'm going to take you back to the European Cup final of 1984, right? Stevie Nichol ends up taking the first penalty. Stevie doesn't give a toss. He's the most confident, not cocky. But he's like, I'll take it. I don't care. Because they were, he told me the story. Um, Sunes and somebody else were arguing about who's going to take the first penalty. Because he put his hand up and said, I'll take it. I don't care. It just, he, he didn't have any scars at that stage as far as mental scars of, of defeat. He didn't have many at the end of his career, given the fact he'd been with that Liverpool side. But he knew that there were subsequent penalty takers that were a bag of nerves. Um, Alan Kennedy, I think he was the one that got the winning penalty. He was an absolute mess. But he scored. Whereas Stevie, Stevie became the first player in history to miss a penalty in a European Cup final shootout. But 
that was him. He, he wasn't nervous or nothing. So it, it's a lot. There's, until you're in that position, you've got no idea about it. We can just we can just speculate. I just thought if there was one player that was going to smash it, given how good he is from a set piece with a free yeah. kick or from distance, um, I thought that would be a down the middle, and, and it, it wasn't. And for Whiten's penalty to come straight after that, and I thought Mikey Johnson's penalty was 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 very. I mean, any penalty that ends up in the back of the net is is a I'll good. Tell you, I tell you, who's who's was. Callum McGregor's was an absolute oh, cracker of a penalty because Gordon goes the right way and he's stretching out and it's one of those yeah. that just absolutely smashes into the side of the net. Um, the penalties were good. They were, they were. And Smith and Lee, unfortunately, Boyce went off. I think, was that because of injury? Well, when, it's when funny. Came on? It's funny because I mentioned after the game, I was like, why was Halkett not one of the five players? Because Halkett um, obviously took penalties for Livingston is a very good penalty taker. But apparently so he, did, yeah. he, was, he was struggling at the end of the game. Really? I don't know exactly what the... the I don't well, think a, was, lot, a lot of them were. Yeah, so I think he'd either said or had been assessed and was was struggling too much to, to take it. So that's apparently why, because I was surprised that Halkett wasn't there above um, a few, never maybe one or two. That. Yeah, never even thought. I mean, I, funny now, Elliot Freer might have taken one. Imagine he'd missed. That would have been him just look for a oh. new club, son, because you, you ain't coming back from this. No. Um... Look, we we lost on penalties. We could have won on penalties. It's really hard to take, but I, I'm not changing from what I said right at the beginning. I'm bloody proud. Oh yeah, definitely of them. Um, and I mean, look, I've I've spoken before on 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 this show. We've had Robbie on. You, you know the relationship that he has with the show and 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 with us as well. Um, I I, I, I waited until. Sunday, uh, I keep thinking the game was Saturday. I think it was. Um, I sent him one when I knew he was he wasn't going to respond until the morning, and the, the dust had settled. Um, I said, "Proud of you and the boys. This one stings, but we'll come again. Always hearts." Um, got one back. Oh, I woke up to one um, that he'd sent when he got up. Thanks, mate. Take it on the chin and make sure we win the league now. Sport is all about how you recover from a kick in the balls. Yeah, that says a lot about the manager we have in charge of this football club. Robbie Nielsen is a winner. Ideally, he wants to win in style, but that'll hurt him. There's no doubt about that. But he's the leader of that team. Regardless of his inexperience or experience, regardless of the players that he's got, some that are as experienced as players or or whatever, he's the leader. And the players have bought into that. If the players haven't bought into the manager, that 2-0 would have been 5 or 6. They would have chucked that. And like, Mm -hmm. what's the point? I mean, we've got nothing on the bench. Other teams would have done that. Whatever he said to them at halftime, and that will remain in there unless someone decides one day that they want to say what was said. It might even have, have come out. I didn't listen to everything at the weekend. As I say, once that winning goal from Ayer went in, I, hadn't, I didn't want any more to do with it for a couple of days. Um, I don't know what was said at halftime. And when Robbie, Robbie's promised us he'll come on this show, and he did say before the end of the year, if we'd won, he would have been on this week. He promised us that. But we'll get him on. And I want to ask him the question. If he wants to answer it, fine. But he must have been under immense pressure at halftime to make changes, if not personnel, but tactically, and, and, and he didn't. Those changes would have come, I've got no doubt about it, had we not have scored as early as, as we did. And I think it would have been interesting, and it will be interesting to hear from him, because um, the question has to be asked when, when we get to speak to him. What was your plan B? In the second, I don't fucking bring up my text to my pals about that he fucked up, Dunsire. 
um, please, because we, we, we want to have him on the show two or three more times. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't getting a screenshot sent to him of that. But I want, I want to ask him, at what stage, if you hadn't scored, were you contemplating change and what would that change have been? And Robbie's open and honest and he'll, he'll probably tell us. And also, what did you say to the players at, at half time? But he has a winning mentality. We, we heard that from what he said to us. And he, he toned it down when he was on this podcast ahead of the Dundee game. He was absolutely desperate to smash them to bits. And he was so pleased at that game that we won 6-2 at the start of the season. Then his attention turned to Hibbs. He wanted to do exactly the same to them. He wanted to put a marker down that, hey, we might be in the championship, but that's in name only. We're a good side. Well, fine. Prove it. Show it. We didn't show it in the first half for long spells against Celtic. We did against Hibs. We did against Dundee. And we did in the second half. Twice we were down. Twice we came back into it. We now have to build on that. That shouldn't be the pinnacle now, coming that close to the cup. For Robbie, this will be about winning this league. But not just winning it. Winning it in style. And winning it by a lot of points. By scoring a lot of goals. By beating Air United, by proving we can bounce back, that's what it's going to be for Robbie Nielsen. I'm right behind him, right behind the players. I'm proud of them. That hurt. It will always hurt. But let's go on. Let's kick on from this. Let's have another cup run. And you know what? If we reach another Scottish Cup final, why should we be frightened of anybody? Very quickly, I just want to go through some reactions we got. I know we've, 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 uh, I wouldn't say dragged on, but we've, we've, we've carried on for quite a bit with this one, which is fine. It was a big game to analyse, so we wanted to spend a little bit extra on the match than we normally would. Um, Graham tweeted us saying, "Feeling really proud. of second half onwards, we were excellent. I feared for us after the second goal, but to come back against them twice to force penalties was fantastic." past few years we've had a team lacking fight and desire but we had all of that yesterday um george hobb says poor first half they got break of the ball to score a raker fortunate pen but they were overplaying the ball and felt it was over we started second well and they rode their luck i find it difficult to criticize anyone as we play with spirit gutted and proud in equal measure rab hay says gave them too much respect to first half press better second half got to take your chances Telegraphed the missed penalties, but where was Halkett who took them for Livy? Uh, Gino and why put free on if not to take a penalty? He says Gordon put on penalties, four of six guessed wrong with guys he knows well. That's harsh. Maybe harsh. You know, I thought he pulled off one good save, and there were some decent penalties. Um, obviously, I are going down the middle is maybe one, but you only need to save it. one if your team yeah. scores them all. Indeed. Indeed. Um, Flitch says midfield didn't work in the first half. Inability to hold the ball. Walker didn't show. Second half much more on the front foot. Both fullbacks excellent, and Lee helped by getting on the ball. Janelli a good out ball. Boyce a miss going off, which is a good point as well. Um, if we'd got in front, we would have won, in my opinion. And um, hard to argue with that. Bry Pie says still totally gutted, and my throat is sore. What went wrong? We were way too scared of them in the first half and it showed in the half-time scoreline. Second half and extra time, we pressed them and ran at them instead of making them control the pace of the game. And it's a similar it's a similar theme. I can't get through everyone. Um, I agree with all of them. Yeah, it's hard not to, to agree with that. Alistair Steele says, we were so far off the mark in the first half, no out ball. Different prospect with Ginelli on. Devastated to lose. Would have been easier had we just been pumped... Uh, 
But imagine I the tweets we'd... you would have got if we'd, if we'd been absolutely hammered. And where, where the club would be as well, as far as trying to pick yourself up from a, a cup final um, pumping, with the fans absolutely livid, having a right go at Robbie for being tactically yeah. naive because they got thumped five or six. Look, I'm not, I'm not trying to gain a success out of a failure. I'm no. just trying to gain some positives. And, and I, I think if everyone was to tweet, I think pretty much most people would be along the same lines of, yeah, of what we've received. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? It's something. It hurt. That's that's what's hurt the most for me as a Hearts fan, and be, this is because, and it'll be different for you, I think, and different for a lot of people of slightly older. Um, ninety, so ninety six, I was aware of, but I wasn't really a fan. I, I didn't go to a game till ninety seven. That's when I first got into Hearts, so I was very fortunate. Missed the losing cup finals. Saw ninety eight. Didn't appreciate. 98 as much as many would have. I, you know, I enjoyed it. I celebrated it. My dad was highly emotional. I wasn't because I was still very young. Um, and obviously I got the 2006 and the 2012 successes. The, the, the losing finals have been 2013 where we played St Mirren. I was just annoyed at that one. Um, and then 2019 when I expected nothing and I thought we were unlucky. I haven't had one of those where I felt, you know, you feel pride but you, you're so close. You know, to you know, to be three-two up on penalty kicks, and then to lose from that point, I've not had that kind of heartache. I would say that you was know, a different type of heart. Yeah, we've been crap, but that's different. You know, we've been we've been shit at times when I've supported hearts, but I've not had that. You know, have one hand on the cut basically, and have it torn from your grasp effectively mm. like that. So that's kind of new for me, and I know for for you and new then, for a lot of people. It's no, new for a lot of people because we, I mean. Cup semis, I've thought, with that, I mean, the Celtic game in 88, we were that close to reaching the cup final. Um, we lost to St Mirren in the semi the year before. 86 was just a kind of, after what, if we'd won at Dens, I think we would have done better. I'm not saying we would have won, because Aberdeen were a good side. But we, I think we, well, we might have won in 86. 87, I'm just going through them off the top of my head. 87 against St Mirren was a pain in the ass. That hurt. Um, but these are semis again. 88 to Celtic really hurt. The Airdrie ones were fucking horrible because you knew you were better than them, but Sanderson and these pals were just, ah, oh, just horrible. Um, I know we've had subsequent finals and, and semi-finals and we lost a semi-final to Rangers 3-0, uh, cup final in nine. People talk about it being similar almost to the the Coca-Cola Cup The Coca-Cola final. Cup final, yeah. So that, that was the next kind of final that, that we, well... We had lost 5-1 at Hamden in the Scottish Cup final. And that, when Gary went off early, you thought, oh dear, yeah, Gary Locke. Um, then Gaza took over at 2-2. And that was, uh, Alan Freeland was an, uh, wasn't even an assistant that day. He was a linesman before they had assistant referees and before he became a referee. They gave Rangers a decision. It should never have been a decision to Rangers, not that I've kind of remembered that and keep harking back to it. Um, but Gascoigne was just unplayable at times, as was yeah. Neil McCann in that game. That that was that was a really sore one. Um, then we got the win in, in 98. Um, and then 06. I mean, I've never... Until we win the League Cup, I'm always kind of... Uh, it's a cup I want to win because we've not won it since 62 and Norrie Davidson scored against Kelly. But that's a, a trophy. The St Mirren Cup final in 
13. I just remember driving home. I didn't even make an effort to get home and watch it. I was happy to listen to it. Uh, again, it's annoying. Um, but 2012 was, was, was great. We've never had something snatched away from us like that, where we've come that close. And that'll be new. That'll be new for people. In years to come, we look back on, on games we got thumped, games we won comfortably in 2012, games that were close. Um, that was the opposite of Gretna in 2006, where we got there on penalties, and, and, and we didn't this time. Um, but still going to hurt. Oh, yeah. Still going to hurt. Definitely. It's going to hurt. And I think it'll hurt for a while, unfortunately, but yeah. hopefully it'll As help it us. Should. Yeah. As yeah. it should. You've got to use it. You've got to use that and to inspire them. Do you want to feel like that again? No. Well, let's not take this championship race till the last game of the season. No. Get it Indeed. Done. Indeed. Um, uh, there's not much point in previewing Air United, I think. There's no. Too much. We, we know, we'll want a reaction. Hopefully the players will come back and... And we'll and we'll see the best of them again, and we'll get a good result um, on Boxing Day. And... That was cathartic in a way to chat about that. It was not in a not in a. That's we're okay now. We'll be okay. We'll we'll be fine. We've got the right people in charge. We've got the right players. We've got the right governance of the club. We'll be fine. We'll be playing in the Premiership next season. No doubt about that whatsoever. But you know what? The next time we taste proper success, i.e., winning a trophy. We'll be able to appreciate it more, given how close we came to this and we didn't get our hands on the trophy. We'll be fine. Definitely. We'll be back next week. We hope you've enjoyed the cathartic discussion we've had on the cup <laughs> final. It's a, a bit longer than, than normal, but obviously it was a, well, probably the, the biggest game we've had to review, I would say, um, since we've been doing this podcast, maybe. Um, we'll be back after Christmas. We'll probably be back uh, maybe after we've played both Air United and our broth. You know what it's like at this time of the year, though. Um, and we will review the games when we're on. Um, if you want to get in touch, you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can tweet us at Around the Funnel. Uh, but until next time, um, have a good Christmas. So I hope you've got something planned, yeah, Mark. Happy Christmas, everyone. I know these days you can't really do very much, can you? But um... no, I've got nothing planned. I've got. Uh... A little break from the Serie I've got two games tomorrow, um, Milan-Lazio, and then uh, come back with on the third. So near, but yet so far. Happy Christmas, everyone. Indeed. Until next time, uh, Merry Christmas, and uh, yeah, we'll have a have a few drinks over the festive period to drown those sorrows. I get no-